And we have the privilege of not only seeing, but portraying and participating in the great events of the last days. We are making a difference by the way we live. We have the privilege of seeing and knowing and doing great things as we witness the end of all things. You are the instruments in God's hand that he will use to bring great things about. He's going to need a witness. Might as well be you. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you open them to our scripture reading? The book of Micah, seventh chapter. And when I hear as diminution of the rustling of the leaves, we shall pray. That God would bless us as we look into his word. Micah 7, verse 18 through 20. And the scriptures say, once again, who is a God like you, who forgives iniquity and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy and loving kindness. Verse 19, he will again have compassion on us. He will subdue and tread underfoot our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show your faithfulness and perform the sure promises to Jacob and the loving kindness and mercy to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. The privilege of being last. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Holy Spirit, light divine, illuminate us once again. Not only in the area that surrounds us, let us see a special glow within this place when we open our eyes. But within the deep recesses and the confines of our mind and in our hearts, shine your light this morning. That our hearts might be illuminated with light from above. That our spirits might be lifted and encouraged. And that our arms might be strengthened to take up the sword of this faith. And fight the battle for you once more with all of our energy again until you return. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The privileges of being last. You must be able to tell from my title this morning that my purpose is a spiritual one. For in this dog-eat-dog, highly competitive world in which we live, there is no secular privilege or advantage to being last. For as almost Every coach has told his or her team at one time or another, no one remembers who finishes second. Now, if there is no memory and no recognition for those who finish second, where in the world do those who finish last appear? Test it yourself. Most of you know who won the Super Bowl last year. Only the sports fans know who they played against, and the real fanatics, fanatics, know who finished last in the National Football League last year. Why, the only ones who know that are the teams who finished last and the cities for which they play. Nobody else remembers or recognizes you when you leave 
and you lose and you come in last. Spiritual corollary to that is we are living in the last days. I don't have to tell you that there are certain pressures involved with that. Well, I've never heard the phrase repeated without some ominous intent or ramification. Honey, don't you know, we live in in the last days. We say that when we hear about another crime committed that shocks the sensibility of all moral and upright people. We say that when another event happens on the television news that we know was pulled directly from the headline news in the book of Revelation and the Bible. We hear it when we look at ourselves and decry our Laodicean condition. Honey, you know we are living in the last days and in the quietness of our rooms and our private devotion and sometimes far too sparse and far in between. We say it decrying our own undone condition. Father, we are living in the last days. Sometimes it's with fear when we open the prophecies of the Bible and it lets us know what's going on and we wish we had a little bit more energy. And if you are honest, in the mind of every Christian who is aware that we are living in the last days, you sometimes wish it wasn't so last day. Oh, don't look at me like you never had the thought, but you know, since we're living in the last days, I don't know if I'm ever going to pay off this house. <laughs> since we're living in the last days, I, all the stuff I planned for might not ever come to fruition. Might not get to see my children grow up. I, I want to live for you, Jesus, but it wouldn't it be nice if I knew all the things and the lofty plans that I have for right now would not be interrupted by the clarion call of the trumpet of Gabriel announcing that it is finished. And so the pressure tells and it affects our Christian relationship. One of the best sermons I ever heard was preached by J. Paul Monk in which he likened people who know the events of the last days, especially those who, are, who adopt and live according to these third angel's messages, to being like the point man in a search and destroy team in Vietnam where he served. He said whenever they went out on a search and destroy mission, they always would have a point man whose job it was to go out in the field first to lead the whole team into the unknown looking for the enemy. If the firing started, he was usually the first one to be aware of it, usually with it either bouncing off his helmet or creating a wound on his body. And among the point men, and the job rotated among the team, that survived, battle fatigue, a psychological condition, was most often found among the point men. God has privileged us with a knowledge of his soon coming, but sometimes we suffer because of carrying that burden, spiritual battle fatigue. And we wish to be relieved. Well, I came this morning to tell you that there are some privileges of being last. Not first, last. 
And there are some reasons, at least three this morning, why you ought to be glad and rejoice that you just might be among the last generation to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ in this present age. Reason number one, because you lived in the last generation and you espoused the name of Jesus, you are a rare and precious possession of God, and he is highly motivated to save you. Did you see it in our text this morning? Did you lose Micah 7, verse 8, if you did, 18? If you did, turn back to it right quick. I'm just going to read it to you one more time. Where the Bible says, who is a God like you? Like unto our God, the King James Version says, who forgives iniquities and passes over transgressions of who? The remnant of his heritage. One commentator said that when Micah concluded his book, and when you read the book of Micah, Micah's book of full. Micah's book is full of ominous warnings who is people who are not living right. Micah's book is full of judgment. But when he got down to the last chapter, he started talking about the Lord. And in that, the commentator said, in raising up and praising Jesus, he said, who is like you? But he didn't say one who created the universe. He didn't say who is like you, one who was able to make something out of nothing. But who is like you who forgiveth the transgressions of his people? One commentator went on so far as to say that it takes more power to forgive folk and secure their salvation than it does to create a world. At least takes the same type of creative power because when you become a, a Christian, does not the Bible says that you are a new creature? Some translations say a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. Who is like unto you who forgives sins and passes over the transgression of his people? In this text, they are called the remnant of his heritage. The word remnant in that verse means that which has escaped, the last part, that less over posterity, the remnant, the residue, the rest that's left over. Sounds like last folk to me. And because you are the last ones, you are a very precious possession to God. Jesus gave an intimate insight into how precious you are when talking about his second coming. He asked the question, when the son of man returneth, shall he find faith in the earth? Let that sink in. The last days are going to be so spiritually treacherous. God's going to be looking for folk who really believe. And they will be a rare and precious commodity. Things that are left over, they're the last of the original. You see, remnant means the last part of the original, right? They become precious just because of virtue of their survival. Oh, y'all not listening to me this morning. This past week they had, what do they call that, uh, the dream cruise in, in, in Detroit. When I first heard of that, I wondered what it was. Then I found out it was just a bunch of old cars. <laughs> Cruising up and down Woodward Avenue. Dream cruise, 
being the futurist gadget that I am, I wanted to see something futuristic, cars that float off the ground, cars that got GPS, something in them. But these were the old Plymouths and Dodges and Chevys and stuff that I grew up with. And I was surprised how precious they were. Did you know that when I got about car interest and car buying age, you could buy a brand new GM for $3,000? Now y'all trying to calculate, no, is he? <laughs> but those same cars that you could buy for 3000 or less are now worth hundreds just because they're the last part left over. Are you following me today? The other day uh, on Oprah's show, they had a man come on TV with the original Barbie doll. First made back there in 1958, it sold for $3. The original Barbie doll is now worth $25,000. If you got one in your attic, <laughs> put it out, put it in a glass case, because it's valuable, because it's, that's what is less of the original. Are you with me, saints? God had an original plan for what people would believe, do, and act like when he created the world back in the Garden of Eden. History and the devil has made it their studied purpose to eradicate those people. But God be praised, there's a remnant left. I hope I'm talking to him this morning. Somebody say amen. And because you are the last leftover, the Bible says, the remnant of his heritage, you are a precious and rare commodity to God. Some people get spiritual battle fatigue because living in the last days, they think God is out to get them. It's the last days. We got to be righteous. All of these temptations around us, I get discouraged. Stop thinking. Disabuse yourself of the notion that God is trying to see if he can lose you. He's trying to save you. Do you know how badly God needs somebody who still stands up for moral principles in these last days? Do you know how badly God needs somebody who still loves their neighbors as themselves? Do you know how badly God needs somebody who knows the three angels' messages, God's last warning message to the world, and would share it with somebody? He don't want to mess you up. He wants to fix you up. See, the fact that we are his last people in the last days makes God a motivated savior. Back when we were buying our first house, it was in the first... Real estate crash, you know. Interest rates were sky high. And they said, in order to get a good house for a good price, you've got to find a motivated seller. You know what that is? Somebody got to sell. <laughs> for some reason, they got to sell. Either it was been on the market, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven months, year, two years. Factory called them out of town. They got to move. They got to move. So they got to get rid of this house that's causing them a double mortgage payment. Are you with me? So they were willing to negotiate. You know, they would finance the house themselves. Some of y'all not listening to me. <laughs> they would find special arrangements. They would just give you their mortgage. Don't give us no down payment. We got the house when the interest rates were four, five, two, three percent. Just take it over, take the house, let us get out of town. We motivated sellers. Who else is the Lord going to look to to lift up his name if it's not you? Huh? He's a motivated 
Savior. So why are you reluctant to call on his name? Who else is going to get to reach the people on your block if it's not you? He's a motivated Savior. Did you know the Zyabaja says that people on your block are saved from disasters because you live down the street? Stop walking around with your head down. You are a precious commodity to the Lord because you have the audacity to call on his name. And these last days, there are privileges to being last. Second privilege is because we live in these last days, we are privileged to do great things and to see great things as we witness the end of all things. John, the 8th chapter, verse 55 and following, Jesus was talking about himself, right? And he said, Moses longed to see my day. People didn't know what he was talking about. Wait a minute, how old are you, Jesus? We know your birthday. We know the story behind your birth. You know all that stuff about your mother having a immaculate conception. We know what really went on. So we know how old you are. How can you say Moses wanted and rejoiced to see your day? You ain't never met Moses. Jesus corrected them with another mystery before Moses was. I am. Hmm. Now, don't you think Moses, who we know, God showed him special things up on the mountain before he died, who saw the time of Jesus, would have loved to be there to see Jesus walk the earth. That's what Jesus was saying. Huh? Now, what about Paul? If you read the writings of Paul, you will see that to him, the immediacy of the second coming was very apparent. And all the apostles expected Jesus to come in their time. Oh, not listening to me this morning. They expected Jesus to come in their time. They were looking for him. And there must have been a twinge of disappointment every time one of the original 12 closed their eyes in death. Don't you think they would just love to turn on CNN and see the things that God inspired them to write being fulfilled in high definition on your TV set? Are you with me? And we have the privilege of not only seeing, but portraying and participating in the great events of the last days. We are making a difference by the way we live. We have the privilege of seeing and knowing and doing great things as we witness the end of all things. You are the instruments in God's hand that he will use to bring great things about. Somebody's got to witness to Congress about the truth of God's law. Might as well be you. They're going to convene a tribunal one day in Ypsilanti to make sense of all these people who won't do what everybody else is doing. Are you with me? He's going to need a witness. Might as well be you. I got a strange feeling that when that time comes, they're not going to call on the local pastor. <laughs> they might think he knows too much, but in an effort to trip us up, they're going to pick on a pew member. Might as well be you. They're going to call that member before the tribunal, courts of justice in the land, and ask them, 
Give us a reason for the hope that's in your heart. Especially explain this stubborn commitment to that fourth commandment. Now, unless you are shaking in your boots, let me ease your case of nerve and remind you that the Bible says at that moment when they call on you, don't take thought of what you're going to say. But in that moment, parenthetically, if you have studied and you know what it's all about already, say amen, somebody. The Holy Ghost would give you the words that you should say at that moment. So don't be scared. <laughs> we are privileged to live in the last days, the privileges of being last. Then, last but not least, there are privileges of being among God's last day people because we can qualify for special rewards. Now follow me. Open your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 16. Pause a minute while your fingers do the walking. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 16. Very, very important text. Follow me now. Follow me now. You got to follow this. If you have it, say amen. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16, the Bible says, King James Version, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, has given us, what everybody? Everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. You read it and you see the immediate meaning of that text is that God is always with you, no matter where you are, to be your help, your hope, your comfort, and your consolation. Huh? You're never alone. God is there to help you feel better when you feel bad. And when... Everything else in life seems to crumble. You have the consolation of knowing that God is with you and that he will give you an everlasting reward. See, the word everlasting bridges over from what God will do for you right now to what he's planning to do for you in the future when the final reward of heaven comes. Gill in his commentary puts it this way. And the present spiritual joy of the saints is what no man can take away from them. And what will eventually issue in everlasting consolation without any interruption in the world to come when sorrow and sighing shall flee away and all tears shall be wiped from their eyes. So he's talking about Jesus' comfort to you right now and the rewards and joys of heaven. Servant of the Lord takes it up with this quotation from the 7th volume of the Bible commentary. Listen, in that day of final punishment and reward, both saints and sinners were recognized in him who was crucified, the judge of all the living. Every crown that is given to the saints of the Most High will be bestowed by the hand of Christ. Those hands that cruel priests and rulers condemned to be nailed to the cross, listen now, he alone can give them the consolation of eternal life. May I suggest to you that you think about getting into heaven in a different way? Getting into heaven is just the consolation prize. Let me explain my thinking on that. All of you have, uh, have grown up watching game shows. If you did, grunt if you can't say amen. 
And you know that in every game show, they have the big prize. And they pick contestants out of the crowd. Some get on the stage, and they get a chance to win the big prize. Those who get called but not quite chosen get the consolation prize. Y'all following me? So in the eyes of the world, the consolation prize is less than the greater prize. Used to make me mad when I watch Password. And everybody over there is winning big bucks. And this person over here that I'm rooting for only gets the consolation prize, which was a home edition of Password. <laughs> I actually remember saying to myself, I would go down to Toys R Us and get the home edition of Password, right? Consolation prize, just to make you feel better. A little keepsake that you was on the show. Go home, better luck next year. Heaven, with all of this joys, is just a consolation prize. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, think of it this way. On the show Price is Right, they no longer call it the consolation prize. They say, for those not appearing on stage, they will receive the following. Right? Well, what do you think it would sound like if the announcer started running down the glories of heaven that we're going to get just for appearing <laughs> in glory? might sound something like this. For those who, by the grace of God, will be appearing in heaven, they will receive the following prizes. A new mansion built for you by Messiah Builders personalized and ready for occupancy. Included in this prize is your own piece of property outside the city where you can build your own house and your summer cottage from Messiah Builders, a brand new mansion. Winners of this prize will also get a new wardrobe from the Robe of Light Clothiers, made from the finest pyrrhic fabric of his righteousness. Be a glow wherever you go <laughs> with your new wardrobe from the Robe of Light Clothiers an unlimited supply of free round-trip tickets to anywhere you can fly on You Got Wings Airlines. <laughs> Our motto is, want to go? You got wings. Tantalize your taste buds with the most nutritious, life-giving food in the universe with this unlimited pass to the Smorgasbord Tree of Life restaurant centrally located in the heart of the New Jerusalem on both sides of the Tree of Life. You will receive one complete, full-body, microcellular, extreme makeover. <laughs> Courtesy of the Garden of Eden Reconstructive Surgery Center. Be made new and still look like you. <laughs> Courtesy of the Garden of Eden Reconstructive Surgery Center, where plastic just ain't good enough. <laughs> A lifetime pass to the redeemed of the ages social club. Hear David sing, gaze at the beauty of Esther, arm wrestle with Samson. Mix and mingle because everybody's single at the redeemed of the, of the ages <laughs> social club. And last but not least with our consolation prizes, a brand new golden heart courtesy of Praise the Lamb Music Studios. And one lesson to learn how to play it. Learn with such speed, one lesson is all you need for your brand new heart from the Lamb Music of the Lamb, music studios. Back to you, Jesus. 
That's what we all going to get when we go to heaven. Just, just for making it there by the grace of God. Now, did you know that there's going to be a second level of rewards? Heaven won't be fair. And I don't care. There are going to be some folk who enjoy privileges up there that everybody won't get. But as long as I get in the gates, it's going to be all right with me. I don't care. It's when they're closing the gates of the, the city, and I'm the last one, and it's so close I got to grab my robe so I don't get caught in the door. <laughs> I don't care. And if you're a little jealous of those who might get a little bit more than you in heaven, well, you probably won't make it up there. Say amen, somebody. Let me give you an example. For example, did you know that the names of the 12 apostles will be written in the foundation of the new Jerusalem? Now, I guarantee you, they don't deserve that any more than you do. Hmm? But it will be there because God loves to celebrate his people. So there's going to be this regular consolation prize, which includes eternal life, a new body, a right to the tree of life, the ability to travel, socializing with all the redeemed of the ages, all of those things. But there's going to be some more prizes. Let me run down the forerunner, the three runner-up prizes and the grand prize of heaven. Are you ready? Fourth runner-up reward of heaven is the evangelism award. Hmm? Y'all sung the song, some of the old saints. Will there be any stars, any stars in my crown? The Bible talks about stars in the crown. Spirit of prophecy amplifies it by saying, for every soul you win, there's going to be a star placed in your crown. You know what that means? Some folks' crown going to be bigger <laughs> than other folks' crowns. Some folks' crown, they get just like put on real comfortable. Other folks' crown will be stacked up tears as a recognition of those that they won to Christ, right? And you see, because everybody who goes there, Spirit of Prophecy says, there will be no starless crowns. Everybody who goes would have, through their agency or intermediate uh, war kings, would have resulted in somebody else going to heaven with them or as a result of your witnessing or something else. So I don't think that everybody's going to have the same number of stars. That's all right with me. <laughs> it's going to be a few stars in my crown. I don't care how many in yours. As long as I get the glory. That's fourth runner-up, the Evangelism Award. Third runner-up prize, a little better, is the Special Resurrection Prize. Now, what is that? I got to give you two texts just in case you may not be familiar with it. The first one is in John 5, 28 and 29. Where did I say everybody? John 5, 28 and 29. It says, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all, how many? All that are in their graves shall hear his voice. Verse 29 says, some will be raised to everlasting life and some to everlasting condemnation. Everybody at the time that we gather outside the new Jerusalem after it comes down from heaven, everybody who has ever lived will be alive at that time. But if you go to Daniel 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, now remember John said the time is coming when all will hear his voice and come from the graves. 
Daniel 12, 2 says, and many, how many did I say? That doesn't mean all, right? Many of them that sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, it cannot be the same resurrection if one describes everybody being raised and one describes many being raised. The answer to the clue is in Revelation 1-7, where it says, and I hope I quote correctly, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and those who pierce him. Put them together. It's telling us that before Jesus comes, two people are going to be in that special resurrection that will happen before Jesus gets here. Like the Bible says in Revelation, those that pierced him, the soldiers who drew, drove the nails in, Pilate, who was so spineless, he condemned the innocent man to death. All the plotting prelates and rulers who decided that it was better for one man to die than for the whole country who put Jesus to death will be raised before the second coming to see him coming in the clouds of glory. These will be the ones who will be raised to everlasting damnation. But who will be raised to everlasting life? You have to go to the spirit of prophecy. The book, For By Faith I Live, says this. Listen to this quotation. Graves are open, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. All who have died in the faith, say that again, all who have died in the faith, of the third angel's message come forth from the tomb glorified to hear God's covenant of peace with those who have kept his law. Some to everlasting contempt, those that pierced him, and all who have died under the third angel's message will come up to see Jesus coming in the clouds of glory. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I tell you, we have the privilege of seeing great things. I hope if I'm alive until Jesus comes, then I'm passing by a cemetery when this happens. And some of the old saints of old who died under the third angel's message come up. Then I look around at the old, old, old part of the cemetery, maybe, maybe over there in the Holy Land. And those that pierced him are coming up. I wonder what they would think of the times of what we've made of the world since they've been resting in the dust. But they will know that they are here to witness the culmination of the age. Now, everybody who believed in Jesus, according to this, ain't coming up in that special resurrection. They have to wait just a little longer until Gabriel blows his horn. And then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Are you with me? But the Bible and the spirit of prophecy clearly speak of a special resurrection. That is a special privilege only a few will get when they go to glory. Third, second runner-up, the martyrs, those who have died for Christ. Son of the Lord said, she was in heaven, and you know Revelation talks about the blood of the martyrs crying from under the altar. She said that in vision she was taken to heaven. And as she looked around, she saw some people that were redeemed. And there was one group of people who had on the brightest crowns and the whitest robes. But around the bottom of their robes was a red border. And she asked the angel, who are these people with the red border around the bottom of their robes? 
And the angel told her, these are the martyrs, those who have died for Christ. You want something else to chew on over Sabbath dinner? She said she saw an innumerable number of little ones, children, who also had a red border around the bottom of their garments. Now, all of us getting crowns, all of us getting robes. You got shoes, I got shoes, all of God's children got shoes, but all of God's children are not going to get a red border. Commemorating the fact that they paid the ultimate price for the Lord. And then the grand prize of the special rewards in heaven. You guessed it, the 144,000. Huh? Read Revelation 7, read Revelation 14 with some of the qualifications for them and some of the special things for them. And the reason I choose them, and this is strictly my study and my list, you can study and find your own list, but I think it's clear there's going to be some special rewards handed out up there in heaven. The reason I choose the number one, the 144,000 as a grand prize winner, because the Bible says in Revelation that they shall accompany the lamb whithersoever he goeth. As the first fruits from among the earth, they have lived for Jesus in the most telling time in the last days. And wherever he goes, he's going to show them off. Can you hear Jesus saying, I need to preach over there on Saturn or some other part of the universe? Come on, all y'all 144,000 come with me. I need an amen corner. Somebody help me. And they shall travel with the lamb whithersoever he goeth. Now, you're ready to really be shocked because you are alive in the last days and serving the master. Potentially, you can qualify for all of these extra rewards. I think it's sinking in. <laughs> Some of them we may not want to choose. Martyrdom is a special some even call it a spiritual gift. Not everybody is able to do that. But because time's going to get hotter and tighter and shorter, and it's going to cost more to serve Jesus, before the close of probation, we are told that some, even alive today, might be called upon to make the ultimate sacrifice for Jesus and give their lives. And it is a privilege. Because when you get up there, you're going to get a special reward. And no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, you can be a part of the 144,000. Hmm? That's right. So one of the privileges of living in the last days is that you are subject to special rewards. Folk who live way, way long ago won't get these. But you can. Are you ready to give your whole your heart, even your life for Jesus. I want to end with an appeal that comes directly. Testimony to Ministers, page 404, 415. It's encouragement to those who are living in the last days. Lift up your heads for your redemption, draw nigh. Lift up your head because you are a precious possession to God and he's motivated to save you. Lift up your heads because you are special to him and can qualify for special rewards. Lift up your head and stand fast. She goes on to say, I address the people of God 
who today are holding fast their confidence, who will not depart from the faith once delivered unto the saints, who stand amid the moral darkness of these days of corruption. The word of the Lord to you is, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. Can we not here see the paternal love of God expressed to those who hold fast the faith in righteousness? The closest relationship exists between God and his people. Not only are we the objects of his sparing mercy, his pardoning love, we are more than this. The Lord rejoices over his people. He delights in them. He is their surety. He will beautify all who are serving him with a whole heart and with the spirit of holiness. He clothes them with righteousness. He loves them who do his will. He expresses his image in them. All who are true and faithful and conform to the image of his son. In their mouth is found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Don't let the devil get you down and convince you you are unduly unfairly burdened with the task of living right for Jesus in these last days. There are privileges to being last. You bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. So good, complete, righteous, and holy, and sweet it is to know that you love your people. In these last days, Lord, even though we don't deserve it, we are the apple of your eye. Help us to recognize our privileged position and status, who we are humbly under you, wherever we are and whatever we do. And may we be willing to live for you no matter what other people say. It may be dark, but you living within us is the light to this generation. Help us to shine. To those around us, to those who may come in contact with us within the sphere of our influence, help them to know that there is a living connection in us with you. Forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings. Forgive us of forgetting who we are. Forgive us of being tired of living right when everybody else is doing wrong. Forgive us of trying to stand up for you when it seems like sometimes even in the people in the church, the standards are falling down. Forgive us for giving up when you want us to carry on just another day. Lord, infuse us with your strength, your power, your hope. Make us convinced within our being that if it is your will, everybody under the sound of my voice can stand, even in the last days, even through the time of trouble, Jacob's trouble, that has never been in the history of the world. We can stand not because of who we are, but you have promised that you've never lost a case and you never will lose control of us. So encourage us, we pray. Keep us until you come again. For we ask it in the name of Jesus that all of God's remnants say, Amen. God bless you.